preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. 2 Timothy 4, verses 2-4, through 4, New International Version. June 20th, 2028, 3.36 a.m., Eastern Standard Time, Unknown Location, Crawfordville, Florida. A large red metal barn sits in the center of the gated 10-acre property. Several masked men and women patrol the perimeter and interior grounds, donning semi-automatic rifles and all-white tactical gear. Five German shepherds are trained by a handler among the vibrant bluegrass lawn from simple commands such as sit to complex orders that include vicious takedowns of dummy targets. Fourteen words contain a repeat over the intercom, loud enough to hear from at least one kilometer away. We must secure the existence of our people and a future for our community. We must secure the existence of our people and a future for our community. Multiple cars converge onto the property, with each vehicle parking in a designated area located on the left side of the barn. A white Dodge Durango is parked near the front entrance and greeted by a crowd of onlookers. Four masked and armed individuals exit the vehicle, wave a few hand gestures to the group, and make their way inside. Behind a clear acrylic podium, a man donning a white ski mask and all-white tactical clothing looks about, scanning every face within the crowd. The four masked individuals walk towards the podium, stand at his side, and assume a modified position of attention known as parade rest. Come on in, folks. You can sit or stand, says the man in the white ski mask. Just don't sleep on me. Where do we go from here? Yesterday's events were traumatizing to the entire world. Did anyone have a family member here affected? Several within the crowd nod their heads to confirm the losses, but no one speaks. God damn it, exclaims the man. As both forearms and fists crash against the podium, the man reaches his right hand into his right pocket and pulls out a crumpled pack of Newport cigarettes. He looks to his immediate right and casually extends his right arm forward. Hey, soldier, let me get a light, will you? And when are you going to change those freaking shoes, man? They're dingy, they don't match, and what the hell is up with that weird green bottom? This younger generation, I tell you, is that slime or are you Professor Brainerd from the movie Flubber? The soldier smirks, reaches in his left pocket, pulls out a lighter, and lights the cigarette within the cup of his right hand. It's Chuck Taylor, boss. These shoes were made for war. It's just a bit of research is all it takes. From World War II to even being worn by the U.S. Navy SEALs, it's my shoe of choice that makes me feel like an operator. The man takes a deep drag of his cigarette, tilts his head to the sky, and blows the smoke into the atmosphere. He turns and faces the crowd. Apologies, folks. Old habits die hard. Preliminary reports from the media indicate that several armed and masked black men opened fire on a crowd in broad daylight. The first attack was reported in Tallahassee, our neighboring town. After that, reports came in about similar attacks across the country. These attacks could have easily occurred within our city, but thank God they didn't. The crowd murmurs and nods their head, concurring with the man's comments. There are no official leads. However, unofficially, there is word that three of the men killed in the food court were affiliated with the Crips. My tactical intelligence team informed me that a high-ranking member of the Southside Bloods, Rico Thomas, was killed a couple of weeks ago, and it's assumed the shootings here are revenge killings. Also, several videos were posted on social media mocking Rico's death, with rival members urinating and defecating on his grave. I recalled in 2012, Chicago being the epicenter for homicides via rap. Young black men and women gangbanging and killing each other for mocking the deceased in their music videos, says the man as he takes another drag. 
Now, this abomination has made its way as far north as Canada, down to the Panhandle, to our very doorsteps. With this attack, I need everyone on guard. Anything suspicious, report it to our hotline immediately. Hopefully, more information on the other attacks will be provided soon. Until then, stay vigilant. June 20th, 2028, 8.50 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Undisclosed location, sensitive compartment and information facility. Keith had served in the Marine Corps for two enlistments, originally enlisted under the 0231 Military Occupational Specialty and rising through the ranks as an intelligence specialist. While serving, he had been to combat numerous times, deploying as a counterintelligence analyst embedded within a tactical human intelligence team. He discovered a love for targeting while conducting military source operations overseas and vetting thousands of individuals' information in regard to terrorist movements and strongholds. Determining an individual's pattern of life could take weeks or months and was a tedious task. However, Keith excelled and was able to think outside the box when complex situations would arise. He knew that accurate and truthful information was essential to intelligence operations, and creating what had been coined as actionable intelligence was what the agency had come to count on him for. Over 2,000 individuals associated with foreign terrorist organizations strategically removed from the battlefield during his tenure in the Corps. It was those tactics and methodologies that came in handy upon Keith's separation from active duty and subsequent employment with the FBI. Despite Keith's exit from the military, his work environment remained the same. No windows or cellular phones were handling classified material. Headphones and coffee were the only consistencies in his life during those times and also what kept him sane. Keith loved the work but dreaded the ensemble of cubicles and compartmented team rooms. However, it was the closest he can get to still being a key player in the war against terrorism, even if he was hunting Americans. The walls were plastered with numerous documents, periodicals, and images, the telltale signs of identifying and targeting the terrorist network. The only change that had occurred over the decades since Keith's overseas deployments was the battlefield, no longer within the foreign boundaries of a third world country. The war on terrorism had come to our doorsteps and planted firmly beneath the American soil. Multiple whiteboards highlighted facts and witness accounts about the mass shootings. Keith thought to himself, multiple groups of armed men committed almost simultaneous mass shootings, but Tallahassee, Florida was the first occurrence, almost like a signal for the others. Keith logs onto his computer and opens the data program, scouring hundreds of reports containing the list of verified gang members and their known or suspected affiliates. The search didn't yield anything that stood out to him from an analytical perspective, so he switched his focus to video recordings of the incident. In the world of intelligence analysis, examination of every tidbit of data is key to identifying the enemy. Keith examines the closed-circuit television footage, honing in on one of the four shooters. From the high-definition video, Keith was able to assess some key physical features of the shooter to include his slim frame and abnormal gait as he moved throughout the food court. The individual had what appeared to be locked hair extended from his ski mask, donning black gloves and all-black clothing, along with all-black Chuck Taylor All-Stars with a translucent green sole, giving what appeared to be military commands to the others. The shooters emerged from the restroom area and opened fire on three men seated near the edge of the food court, instantly killing each man with several semi-automatic rounds to their heads and torsos. Who were those guys? Keith whispered to himself. He examines the names that come back from the list of the deceased and inhales deeply as his eyes widen. At that moment, Larry walks up to Keith's desk and plops down on the edge. Freaking crazy day, said Larry, as he places his pen to his lips, chewing on the disfigured top. What are you working on, hotshot? Uh, you know the usual, searching the dark web, blogs, reddits, local police reports on violent crime over the last two years, gang disputes, social media for commentary on shootings, phone records, and some music videos from known gang sets in the city. 
said Keith as he stops typing, leans back in his chair, and places both hands behind his head. Larry's eyes turn to Keith's computer screen. Who's this handsome law-abiding citizen? Oh, that's Demetrius Turner, leader of a notorious crypt set in the area, and a former mentee of mine. Sadly, he was one of the three initial victims, but you may know him from the arrest that happened a couple months ago for a vicious assault on some kid at the bus station. Here's a photo of the victim, Daniel Ruffin, former Marine, dishonorably discharged for popping on the piss test. Demetrius and his crew did a number. I pray he was able to recover. And something uh, I just noticed, the shoes of Daniel matched the shoes of the individual identified in the CCTV footage to the T. And I know shoes, those are custom. Also, their bills are similar. I don't know much about shoes, but one thing I do know is that Chuck Taylor All-Stars have been around for quite some time, and it may just be a coincidence. Besides, reports from the witnesses and the footage clearly shows that the assailants are African-American. And not to be insensitive or stereotype with my upcoming interrogative, but aren't Chuck Taylor's one of the brands commonly worn by gang members on the West Coast? Let me know when you have something valid, says Larry as he pats Keith on the shoulder and walks away. Keith writes down a number on the yellow post-it note, locks his computer screen, and walks to the cubicle of Ted Santos, a signals intelligence analyst recently augmented to the FBI for the next 12 months. Hey Ted, if you aren't busy, can you examine primary and secondary contacts for this phone number to include their geo-coordinates over the past 180 days? Sure thing. You want the raw data or would you like me to take a deeper look? Just the raw data, please. I'm going to conduct further analysis on it once I gather all my research. You have a timeline on how long it would take to run the query by chance? I can run the queries within the next hour or two and have them by close of business today, said Ted. My man. Thanks, brother. Keith returns to his desk and sits down at his computer. He logs into a Facebook profile under the name of Dan Jeffries and conducts a search for Daniel Ruffin. Several profiles appear until he narrows the filter to Tallahassee, Florida. As he scours his profile, he notices several racist rants regarding the incident from several months ago. He also notices several comments from a few individuals that ask Daniel to check his inbox. Keith runs a quick search, jots down another phone number, jumps up and returns to Ted's desk. Hey Ted, can you also conduct a search on this phone number and these Facebook profiles? and also provide any raw data associated with their social media handles? Sure thing, I just had to add a few hours to what I initially promised, maybe even tomorrow. Larry came over with a quick task for me after you left regarding one of the victims of the shootings at the mall, but I'll keep you posted on my progress. Apologies for the delay. Hey, it's all right, man. Thanks again, Ted, uh, I truly appreciate you. As Keith walks away, he glances over to Larry's office, making eye contact. He gestures a wave and thought to himself, why is Larry tasking Ted when he has his own assets?